Hello and welcome to Fighting Anime, a podcast of informal and approachable conversations about big ideas in the realms of philosophy, religion, politics, psychology, and sociology. I am your host, Marshall McCready. Just so you know, this podcast may contain offensive language and mature content inappropriate for children. Hello. It has been a while, but I am back with a podcast. In this podcast, I talked to my friend Ram, who, you know, if there weren't personal responsibilities and obligations and physical necessities to attend to, I think Ram and I could probably talk until the end of time. We both find ourselves and each other very interesting. Ram is one of my favorite people to talk to. And in this podcast, we talk about a lot of things. Um, The issues kind of just kept coming naturally. We talked about science, the popularization of science, and how kind of how the popularization of certain scientific theories can create misperceptions about what those theories are meant to explain. Um, Ram, who has a physics background, talks about the Big Bang specifically, and I kind of talk a little bit about social psychology. We also talk about issues that Ben Shapiro talked about with Joe Rogan on a recent podcast. We mainly talk about the issues as opposed to them as people, but we touch on our views about them as people as well. We talk about Colin Kaepernick. Um, We talk about habits. That's something that Ram and I think about a lot. We talk about the philosophy behind habits and maybe implications of that philosophy. We talk about Dr. Phil and um, the the way in which morality is kind of put in medical terms in the modern age, and a lot of other things. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation. There are a few moments where the audio kind of sounds weird or cuts out. I don't know how to use microphones very well, and I'm working on that. My dad, shout out to my dad, got me some great new microphones, and they would have functioned perfectly if I hadn't used the wrong settings. But you live and you learn, it'll get better, and so just keep that in mind. All right, and with that, I bring you Science, Shapiro, and Self with Rob. And here we go. What if I just start getting, like, really awkward? (laughs) Now we can't talk anymore. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I haven't read, I don't like reading about the books that I'm going to read, if they're fictional. I like to be surprised, but the the problem is, is I also want to know, but it's kind of like, have you seen the trailer for the new Nolan movie, Tenet? Oh, I heard. No, I haven't seen the trailer, (sighs) though. It looks, the trailer, I think, still reveals too much, even though Nolan's pretty good about not revealing too much, but it looks, but it still doesn't reveal a, a ton, like... The best trailer, I think, was... The best marketing campaign for a movie that I've seen was Inception. Because you had no idea what... Yeah. There was just, like, the land is moving, and it's, like, Inception. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what... The, I, I like that I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that is funny, because... Man, it's hard to advertise, because on one end, you do want people to come, but, like... With Christopher Nolan, that name carries enough that people will come. But not, like, if you're just starting out, you have to... It's hard. That's true. You can be a little bit... Yeah, it's a good point where, like, 
once you become known, you don't have to give yeah, as much away. Yeah. yeah. Have you uh, heard of Death Stranding by Hideo? Mm-mm. He's a he's a video game creator, and uh, yeah, I mean he has that kind of like he's very <laughs> he 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 created this game and he was just like it's gonna be huge, just wait and watch. Yeah, but you should check it out. And it was, um, not not Death Stranding. Oh no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I I don't think he wanted he wanted it to be bigger. I think, and I think it failed in his eyes. What kind um, of game? I've never. I don't really know video I haven't game played people. It. Okay. I haven't played it, but it's uh, it's like kind of like, it. The intention behind it was very noble, I think, and I like it. Um, basically, it's like an open world simulator, right? And it's like this world that he created, but <clears throat> instead of it being so action oriented, I think it's more like. One of the tags on Steam is open, like a walking simulator. <laughs> so, like, it's a, it's just a game that it has really good graphics and it has a campaign. Huh. I haven't played it, but it's very so slow paced. And one of the mechanics that he was very excited about was uh, the stuff that you put down in the world. So, uh, like, you're trying to traverse. You're like a delivery guy, essentially, you're trying to traverse this world, deliver packages. Um, but the stuff, how you like get through the world and like say you like put down a ladder to get across a certain area, you can leave that ladder there and other people that are playing the game can use it. Oh, cool. And so like he wanted it to be kind of collaborative mm. in that essence. I'm not sure. I don't think you like play with other people, but you can just see that they've been there. Maybe the world, you don't see each other, but the worlds are the same. Yeah, something like that. Huh. For a while, it kind of sounded like like a training program for like Amazon people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you just wake you up and uh... the world and you deliver packages. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Don't it's... know why that didn't take off. <laughs> Apparently, Jeff Bezos funded it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies, real quick, I watched uh, Guns Akimbo yesterday as oh. like a late as like a just a mental relief session. Uh-huh. Uh, it was terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it pretty much has no redeeming qualities. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen, have you seen the trailer? It's like Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. and he like wakes up and he's got like two guns like bolted into his hands because he was like kid. It uh, the concept is interesting, and it like very much like the graphics, like in the the scenes and the the um, the staging and everything. It looks. It's meant to look straight from a video game, and it does. Like, oh. it, literally, parts of it reminded me almost exactly of cutscenes from Arkham Asylum. Of mm. uh, like the the screens, you know, like there's like a bunch of screens on the wall, and it's like dark, and there's like a kind of it's like a a little bit of a steampunk element right. to the. There's totally that in the in the movie, so that part is cool, uh-huh. but. It's just it kind of reminded me of Hardcore Henry. I liked Hardcore Hardcore Henry a little bit more in that the concept is cool, but there's just no character development and nonstop uh, action, and you're just like exhausted by the end. Yeah. Did you yeah. see that? I've heard of Hardcore Henry because that's like actually like it's the same concept of like it being a video game, right? It's first person. Right. Yeah. Right. right yeah. I heard. I never. I have not watched either of the movies. It's right? probably like the. It's not like disturbingly violent. 
But I think that's, of all the movies I've seen, like, probably the most people die in that movie. It's just like the guy, you're just... Really? It's just, the movie is just him nonstop killing people. But what about like John Wick? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I, yeah, there's, is, there's, I'm sure there's some... There's other like Kill Bill and like... Kill Bill. What else is like... Yeah, Kill, Kill Bill is up there. Oh man, what, what's the one with Jason Statham? Expendables? No, 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 it's like, oh man. It's like Crank, huh. I think. Oh, Crank. Where the, like, he has to, like, he's going to yeah. die if he doesn't have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those movies are so funny, dude. I'm, I, they should have a... I'm sure there's someone out there who's, like, who keeps track of, like, death count of <laughs> of the movies. <laughs> Their rating is just the death count for yeah. each movie. It's, like, pretty good. 150. <laughs> it's, like, Titanic. It's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of movies where no one's died. Like, uh... <laughs> Zootopia zero. Yeah. Do not re- recommend. This movie was trash. <laughs> Great plot. No one died though. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> so, hard transition to this podcast that we wanted. This uh, it's funny. We, it's a podcast of a podcast, but we you wanted to talk about. We both wanted to talk about what we thought about some of the things that Mr. Shapiro said on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> First of all, Joe Rogan's moving to Texas, but weed, yeah. weed isn't legal here. How long do you think before he gets arrested? Oh, like, I think the DEA agents are waiting. <laughs> They're like, he got a huge deal. We can yeah. call that drug money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, man. I That's going to be interesting. I'm not sure what he's going to do. Because he's like a huge... He's like, huge. he smokes like I every he's day. Gonna, he he's going to keep yeah. smoking. I, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. and. It seemed to come out of nowhere. I've been watching his show pretty consistently lately because, I mean, quarantine. He uploads. His schedule is intense. Mm-hmm. He does like four or five a week. Yeah. That's crazy. But I think, I mean, just the breadth of people he has on, I think, is like so refreshing. Like he had Ben Shapiro. I think yesterday he had Post Malone. Post Malone, yeah. Dude. Like four hour podcast Dude, they were so hot <laughs> it was so i mean he said as much but it was yeah. like he didn't have to like <laughs> man yeah that's i think the, one of the things i like and i think we'll definitely talk about this when we're talking about the shapiro one um i like him i like joe rogan not because i agree with him on everything i definitely do not um but i think that uh He's so willing to, like, when a guest comes in, like Post Malone, or uh, I've seen some with, like, like conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. There was one about, like, a pot debate. I was like, oh, okay, this is recommended. I'll watch it. There was a guy that was, like, anti-marijuana, uh, and there was a doctor from Canada that was pro. But he's so willing to, like, just go in and, like, play along. And I think it's, like, his comic side where he's just willing, like, if someone brings up a, a scenario, he's like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I'll like laugh along. Let's like explore this. And he'll like embellish the story along with them. And I think that that's the difference when it comes to like political commentators. He's willing to take that same kind of interest and be like, okay, yeah, uh, he might not agree with it, but he's so willing to like argue for it and then against it like immediately. Yeah. It's, he it's doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, and also, okay, I noticed that one of the interesting things was. So, okay, so for a while they talked about Colin Kaepernick, mm. which I I have 
I'm pretty cynical about the Colin Kaepernick. Oh, yeah? Because I agree with what some people have said about how hard of a decision is it to do something um, that pretty much um, guarantees that lots of people will idolize you. Mm -hmm. That has maybe, I think he probably could have reasonably reasonably expected would end up in brand deals which it has with nike yeah and at this point he's sitting on boatloads of cash from his brand deals and lots of people saying he's like the best thing ever since the civil rights movement yeah and he's and now we're supposed to think of it as like that everything that he does is a sacrifice yeah yeah, like first of all why do we even care about why why are we it sucks that like why do we even care what these multi-millionaire athletes mm-hmm. think about anything yeah. like i mean for, i'm i care what people think like like as a like even someone off the street it's like you're a person you have opinion right, right? like i'm not dismissing it but like i also i actually am i am dismissing <laughs> like i'm sorry i am like yeah <laughs> with, with the i mean it seems that like in a lot of instances, I tend to agree with, uh, like, athletes that bring up topics. But, I mean, there, there's been people that bring up just because there there is also equal. It seems like there is also um, instances where they'll bring up something that is, I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. Like, there's mm. a lot of anti-science people in in sports, right? Well, just the guy just oh, what's his face just recently came out against vaccines and like a Instagram. Yeah, I, I, it's I, hard to keep track of. I'm yeah. not a huge sports yeah. fan, so I'm not like I don't know who the people are. But like yeah. I remember, like LeBron James is a good example example because, uh, I mean, it's great that he's standing up for Black Lives Matter, but it's it's funny that I think when people were. Uh, like like putting up like free Hong Kong shirts. I think he was one of like the people that was that were vocal against it. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. And so it's funny because, you know, I think like BLM is such a intimate matter for him. So it's very easy for him to stand up even if money is on the line. Right. Which, which it isn't though. Right. For NBA, definitely yeah. not. Uh, I don't think so. But like Hong Kong, China. For sure, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of money. China's it's such an interesting thing going on because, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like with the especially the, the younger Muslims, the right? Uyghurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so frightening, and there's uh, like yeah. images that's like it corroborates. There's personal testimony. It's such a it's so evident that something atrocious is going on. Okay, yeah, the Uyghurs thing. Okay, wait. I want to talk about the Uyghurs thing for sure. Did you watch John Oliver's deal about it just recently? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Kaepernick thing. Uh, oh, yeah. When, I just want one more thought about that, which is that, okay, when the when the celebrities, like, like I think Christian Bell and... Um, Aaron, Paul, well, I guess there are different videos, but there's been these videos that have come around where like it's just like a montage of celebrities saying a thing. One of them was them singing Imagine, oh, yeah. right? This is old news now. But the other one was like, ah, oh, there's the train. Um, the other one was, 
they were reading off like some kind of script for sure and like Aaron Paul was like really over the top he he was like he, he was like trying to uh it, it was he was drawing on his character as Jesse Pinkman character yeah. but okay so but the common reception of that is like fuck off like who are you people you don't get to have an opinion like yeah. you you're sitting in your mansion yeah. and you're trying to have an opinion about something <clears throat> where it like intersects with class and it's like poor person but then we turn around to these athletes who are like probably just as wealthy if not wealthier than some of like the b-list celebrities in these yeah and we're like yes give me your opinion thank you jesus <laughs> for this experience yeah. of listening to you right now right like, right they're they're just they're like celebrities just as much right as yeah for sure what's the difference in does, does um well okay that might be a controversial to say but uh like does um okay i guess does colin kaepernick really know the the data on police mm. Yeah. violence any more than Christian Bell does I don't think so you know he's lived it in a, and I'm sure in a different way right yeah but that yeah that doesn't really amount for anything honestly when you're when you're making generalizations about the states of systems in the country for sure I think I think that's a valid point but I mean the the I think the difference is with Kaepernick um, I think he was trying to I mean just taking him at his like at his surface level assuming he has no ulterior motives i mean i think he i think he was i don't think there was anything wrong in him uh doing something provocative right i mean to me um if i if i was uh, a, a black person that has had some significant experience and i have a platform i think th there's no there's nothing wrong in in starting a conversation but i think you're right i mean it's it, in this in this instance it's extremely fair like it's it's a very agreeable thing right mm -hmm. a lot of people are like oh yeah of course this is something that is important to bring up but like imagine like the same thing happening for like anti-vax huh. that would be a scary thing you'd be like oh my god you're using the platform for something uh extremely counterproductive right mm -hmm. um but I, I, I don't know. I, I, for for the Kaepernick thing, it was it was very interesting that Ben Shapiro was like, "Oh no, he did that to like piss people off, right?" Yeah. And and I knew that he actually reached out to that Green Beret, right? Like to yeah, like the, the veteran, his veteran, his friend, yeah. Right to like kneel instead of sit. So I was like, "That's this is not true, right?" Yeah. Because I think he sat for one, maybe more than one game, but then like him kneeling was when I noticed like it'd be like national news mm -hmm. and it, it seems like he he wasn't trying to inflict he wasn't trying to be provocative for provocative sake mm -hmm. but he was rather being provocative to start a conversation in a very respectful way too right yeah no I agree no I totally I agree I, I just I'm more cynical now at this yeah. point and um although i also am a little like i don't deny okay i read a really interesting article i'll try to find it and link it in the show notes about him and his veteran friend they seem mm -hmm. to be like really good friends and it really seemed like he seriously considered what his friend had to say and right. like went with it and i respect that and like 
he, he seems pretty genuine about obviously caring about this issue and wanting to do something. What just bothers me is when people talk as though he's sacrificed. Because mm, yeah. I don't think that that's true. And I don't even think, okay, well, there's a difference between like outcomes and what he could have expected. Yeah. I don't think he could, I don't think it would have been reasonable at the time for him to suspect, given the cultural moment, mm. that anything bad would have happened to him for kneeling. Yeah. Maybe something behind the scenes, right? But like, he know, like he had to have known that would have generated a lot of attention, right? Maybe he didn't. I think he probably could have expected that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the that's kind of my. For sure. I mean, I think that is definitely something to consider. But it's hard. I mean, it's a it's a hard thing to argue this kind of like <clears throat> this kind of like ulterior motive, right? Yeah. Because um, you you just don't know. Like you have no idea, and I think in a lot of cases it's it's almost you're like burning your tires like mm-hmm. trying to argue that because even if it is the case right it, it takes i mean there there's like uh even if it is the case that he was being uh like malicious right you have to take the argument on the surface level it's hard to unless you had like amazing proof to like mm-hmm. be like oh well see he already signed this deal with nike and they had a whole thing planned, right? Like, it's hard to yeah, come back. Yeah, for sure. You got to be charitable, and I don't think right, it, right. I don't think it was premeditated. I just I, I it's just the, and I think it, it's still worth appreciating what he did. Like, I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. deny. I'm just, I just have like a. I'm really sensitive to people making out what they've done to be more costly than it was. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm very sensitive to that kind of moral superiority yeah maneuver yeah. there um yeah one thing okay this struck me okay so in the conversation with rogan and shapiro mm-hmm. they're talking about the kneeling mm-hmm. and shapiro comes off pretty hard right in his usual way about like well he he meant it as like an f you to the country mm-hmm. this yeah. is what it was and then rogan was like um well uh you know, isn't kneeling more respectful because now right. you're kneeling. And um, then Shapiro was like, well, no, that's not how he meant it. Okay, that bothered me. I think Sh- I think Rogan was just really trying to be devil's advocate, but I don't think Rogan believes that for a second because, mm-hmm. okay, imagine, imagine someone um, doing something like that where maybe they weren't familiar with, like, the customs of some ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, maybe someone doesn't know what goes on in the Pledge of Allegiance. That's probably unlikely, but it's it's imaginable for the sake of argument. Maybe someone immigrated here and they hadn't seen that happen before or whatever. Um, and they, they kneel thinking that that's the more mm, um, yeah. honorable thing. Right. right. And then people got upset with them. Rogan would be the first person to come out and make the argument and say, hey, actually, we have to... Um, seek to understand this action uh, by reference to their intentions, right? He would be the first person to say that, but he's not taking that tact. He's arguing for the different position now. He's saying, well, can we divorce the action from how the person who committed it was intending it to be? Right. He's usually so on the other side of that that I think it was just like a throwaway 
devil's advocate thing. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely trying to be... It seemed to me that he was trying to be devil's advocate in that instance. But, I mean, when he said... When he did say that of... It, it seemed more like the... the he was, like, saying, um, oh, he's kneeling, which, which is relatively a more respectful form of protesting rather than a respectful form of like uh pledging allegiance mm. right it, it seemed to be that way i don't fully oh. recall yeah, so it's it kind of a because I, I don't know i was thinking about him sitting versus kneeling because i knew that from the second they started mm. talking about it which was uh yeah i was like <laughs> i was freaking out it, i don't know i i i, I pretty starkly disagree it's it it was kind of interesting to me as much as ben shapiro like follows you know i mean colin kaepernick kneeling even if you disagree agree as a conservative uh political talking head you would have followed that from the beginning right Mm -hmm. and it's it was surprising to me that he was just like so naive on the situation but he had such a strong like uh, like, like opinion. He was like, "Oh yeah, Colin Kaepernick was telling all people to go fuck off." Like, yeah, I found that like I was like, "What, dude? Come on!" I think he's so, he's so sensitive. Well, in his new book is about this. I think. Um, oh, Ben, ben Shapiro's. Yeah, I haven't read uh. any. I'm not gonna read it. I haven't read any of his books, but uh, it's something about like, what's it called? Um, destroy America in three easy steps or something. Maybe that's Beautiful. his last book. I can't remember. Could have been Ann Coulter's. Man, <laughs> yeah, <damn>. for sure. <laughs> but like, he, I, he, I think he's really... Okay, I was thinking about this. This relates to something else I was thinking about. Mm. Okay, I'm ready. I've, I'm drafting a blog post about this lately. I don't know if it's going to pan out. I'm trying. Um, but it really bothers me when people lately... It seems like, seems like a lot of people are saying X was built on Y. Mm. Therefore... X is still like Y. Yeah. For example, yeah, yeah. Uh, America is built on slavery. Yeah. The the implication when it's a headline is therefore it is still right built on slavery, or it yeah. is still slavery is still a key function, or America was built on racism, right. or the police uh, were rooted in racism which is seems to be true right the thing is is like can things just not change like yeah. it's the same you know what it is i realize this struck me the other day. how similar do you think it is i'm curious what how similar do you think those kinds of statements are mm. to the conservative idea that um america was rooted in christianity yeah, the yeah. judeo-christian ethic yeah. or whatever right so Therefore, it still is a not a theocracy, though, but yeah. it still is definitely a Christian or whatever yeah, they right, say. Right, right. Is that not that the same thing? It is actually very similar. It's like there's like there's this weird thread of uh, like oh the, this some initial influence is the whole reason, mm-hmm. which seems like almost like obvious that that's not the case in in a scenario that maybe you're indifferent to. But yeah, I think the disturbing thing about <clears throat> having this perspective, especially with slavery, is it discredits like de- the reform movements, and it's it's this like weird type of nihilism mm. that like no matter like it's hard for me to imagine um, 
looking back at U.S. history, um, seeing where it started and seeing how, like through especially the 1900s, the reform movements had such huge impacts, mm -hmm. like uh, legislatively. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, and to like take that and say we're st we we have not made progress. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's it's completely reasonable to be like, look, we we have this issue right now, especially with police departments, and that's something we should focus on. But the narrative that it's like, oh, this is we're founded on it, and things have not changed, is a very scary. Like it's a it's this it's the nihilism is very scary because it seems. Um, some some uh, there's like this underlying notion that like nothing is going to work unless we like there's like a big rebellion we have to change it from the ground up mm -hmm. which i mean as a i have the reformist mental uh, like mentality so like that seems like a terrible idea to me it seems yeah. like throwing away everything america was built on is uh is a terrible idea especially um I think the non-volatility non that's built into, like, the separation of the branches is an amazing, like, mechanistically, it's it's proved to be worthwhile. Yeah. It's not perfect, but I think, especially in this time where it's so polarizing, it's proved to have uh, stops against Trump. Not perfect, but, I mean, it's crazy that that mechanism thought, like, uh, 250 years ago works so well. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I, okay, this relates to, I've been noticing that kind of, I'm calling it a self-serving essentialism. And what I mean by mm. this is, is I see it mainly on, in progressive circles, but it's a little bit in conservative circles. So it's an essentialist argument to say, um, America was founded on, uh, Christianity, so therefore it is Christian. First of all, what is America? Is it how? What is the thing that you're saying is Christian? Is it social? Is it social institutions? What is it? Is it a group of people? Are you saying it's culturally Christian? When you're saying that the police are rooted in racism, mm. um, and, and, and uh, with the implication being that today there is racism in the police system, um, what, what do you mean by the police? Right. Where? what specifically like all of these all of these claims are very overly abstract and they're they're symbolic that's the thing yeah. like when shapiro's up there and he's like america was founded on the, like i don't deny that like it seems like the principles in like the bill of rights that seems like a pretty fucking like, great thing right yeah. like you're not gonna tell me that like that's bad right but and obviously, it wasn't for everyone, and blah 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 blah. Right. But um, but the mechanism for it to change was pretty wonderful, right? Yeah. Well, and and we're not. The other thing that gets me is it's like America. You can call it what you want today. Mm. It doesn't really matter because we can we are change we can change it in whatever image we want. Right. Right. Like, like that's the thing. Like I'm I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a huge divide lately. Uh, I'm seeing it because I had this idea and now I'm seeing it everywhere type thing. Yeah, yeah. Between a kind of existentialist pragmatism. Yeah. Meaning, hey, here's a thing. It's it's not essentially anything. Like yeah. a hammer. Oh my God, dude. 
I read this crazy article. Oh, I sent it on <laughs> the our group me thing. Of, I couldn't believe it. The article said it started off being like J.K. Rowling is a transphobe because she thinks biological sex is a thing. This was literally the article wow. written okay. by a PhD candidate in, in political science at the University of Massachusetts, um, and uh, so the article literally denied evolution because it said that the the idea of evolution had been used by some people at some mm, points in time that is true, to yeah. further you know to forward these racist yeah. sexist which is so true right it that is happened. true it's very true but just because a concept is associated with a with a bad thing wow doesn't mean that first of all that it can change or second of all that it's not true but right. then the third that you can't use it in the way that you want it to be like you, right. you, you're saying that it's essentially bad like it was tainted forever which is a very like kind of primitive conservative idea of like yeah you know what it's like it's like if a, a girl in uh, like a like a very um kind of orthodox muslim society if a girl is raped um before she's married she's seen as like tainted for life right mm -hmm. and she's yeah. often murdered yeah. uh, and then in a whole, that's that but that, that was a really terrible i don't know that was the first example that came to mind because i saw an article about that uh, that happens um but the idea is like uh there's a high disgust sensitivity and there's a high uh there's a highly salient belief in transferability of like of moral corruption through behaviors um, yeah, yeah, that's what it, and that's a very conservative kind of religious, um, outlook that there are these, that there's this, these spirits that can, that can enter you th by actions that you take or things that you do, uh, which is true only in a, in a metaphorical sense, right? Yeah, that, that's actually very interesting. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's super odd that it's being connected to ideas now uh, that have, you know, no, you, you would hope it has no uh, bearing on uh, like the current political, you know, like moment, right? Yeah. That's, that's crazy because, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of if, if, if ever um, some kind of like scientific empirical idea could be um, ever tainted in that way and i'm i'm having difficulty like well like thinking phrenology i mean that was oh yeah that's not true. only was that not true it was yeah. very it was used for right. horribly racist purposes yeah true but i mean it, it turned out like it, it i mean it's like a pseudoscience though but we only know that okay here's where i get kind of like we only know that in retrospect like at Th the time people were like this is your brain size your, how big your head is, that's how good of a person you are. That is scientific. That's science, right? Right, right. I'd like to well, think that we're more enlightened today, but I'm sure everyone at every current point in history has been like, we are the most enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually very interesting because I think that, that that's an issue within how people outside of science view science itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, um, with physics, like Big Bang, for instance, it's a... It's a we know because of cosmic background radiation that this event called the Big Bang, that we called the Big Bang, happened, right? And it's like 13.8 million, billion years ago. Hmm. Now, <laughs> a lot of people like to conflate this 
with the idea that, oh, that means that's when the universe started. That means the universe has a beginning. This has a lot of um, obviously philosophical implications, right? With religion or uh, even with um, how, how you should deal with yourself if, you know, if something is temporal. But that's besides the point because in, in physics today, uh, even I know as an undergraduate that like, <laughs> it's not the case that we, we know the Big Bang happened but that doesn't have any effect on what happened before. We just don't know what happened before because that's how far back we can see. We know this event happened, and before that, we, we can't deduce anything. Mm. Um, there's a lot of theories that venture out from that point, and it's, it's very skeptical. But outside of the physics community, it's broadly uh, mentioned that this is the start of the universe, mm. right? And so to me, I think there, there's this like weird... I mean, it makes sense because science, especially physics, right? It's so, it's so attractive. It's so powerful and just like quite viscerally the way that it can, it's so uh, powerful and predictive power, right? And so, but I, I think that like, it, <laughs> there's like this mismatch of like, oh, you know, th there's this one theory that came out and uh, it, since it's, it has been published. It has to be the case. Wait, so the scientists who talk about the Big Bang, they don't, they're not even thinking of it as being the start of the universe? Or well, I mean, they have this... Well, I mean, they, they might say it as such. But, like, I mean, it's kind of like how if you were to take... Uh, say, take let's take a social science, right? And we were to talk about how we did some kind of experiment on say like in a, a laboratory on uh personalities right mm -hmm. within psychology you know that number one like you're it's in a laboratory so that has some implications that aren't globalizable right mm. and so but you that has been trained through through uh like through school that these like you know like oh this study we thought that it was globalizable but it turned out that was not the case. You have a lot of this education that someone else does not, that's looking into science. Uh, Same yeah. way with physics. You might uh, say that, oh, this is when things started. Like there was this event and we don't know anything before that. Um, for physicists, you take that very skeptically in the sense that um, you only take the knowledge you do know. Whereas I think... Outside of science, there's this tendency to embellish. So when uh, you when you uh, hear something like that, you're like, it's very definitive. It's not skeptical. It's very, oh, oh my God. If this is the case, that means this is also the case. There's like with some, it's a, it's a problem with how we speak as well. Um, this kind of like iconography of like how we talk about stuff. Yeah. It has a lot of weight. So like when I say like, Oh, the Big Bang happened, right? And that's as far as we know. I don't explicitly say that was the beginning. I mean, people do. That's very true. But even if I don't say that, uh, like explicitly, mind wanders, wanders to those things. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah, you know that reminds. There's there's such a academics look at studies like that 
and they think with so much more provisionality. Everything is yeah. provisional. Right. Um, and it's some, and it's oftentimes it's like very provisional. Or then there's, there's probably, yeah. there's, you know, a spectrum of like how definitive mm-hmm. or uh, generalizable and representative or whatever you think the study would be. But, right, right. Uh, but yeah, there, but even still, there's a provisionality. And, and when it's, you know, part of this is the fault of academics um, and the uh, replication crisis in social psychology in particular, I right. think, can be tied to the kind of careless nature mm. of the, in the way that social psychologists have presented their findings. And yeah. uh, the, there's a great podcast called Two Psychologists, Four Beers, where they talk about the, this kind of issue about um, how we title papers is a great example. Mm. Okay, because like you want to title a paper, yeah. it's an oversimplified <laughs> version of yeah. like you're if you're saying um, uh, if you're saying um, uh, gender discrimination. Or wait, let me just think of a disgust sensitivity um, uh, causes homophobia. Where disgust sensitivity is tied to homophobia. That's right. a true thing. That is true. Yeah. Uh, it's true, though, only when you operationalize these terms in a very specific yeah. way that can be measured in a laboratory. Right. Disgust sensitivity, what, what, we, what is meant by that in the, in the title of the papers is people's score on a certain test, right? Yeah. Is that actually disgust sensitivity? There's room for debate, yeah, right? Yeah. And to what extent is something considered homophobic? It's kind of a subjective scale to yeah. some extent, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, and so and the problem the problem is just so the the problem is is how else are you going to title your paper? Yeah. Are you going to be like the scale? Someone's score on X scale is correlated uh, highly in a statistic statistically significant manner <laughs> with their score on X. Like that's right. too long for a title. Yeah. So it's just a very, but then the problem is people don't fucking read the articles also because they're, <laughs> they're behind paywalls. That's so oh, dumb. Yeah. I'm I so mean, for like opening up science. That, that, that is very odd. And I think there's a lot of, I mean, science orators have had a huge influence on me, especially going into physics. Like, um, uh, uh, Carl Sagan, right? Yeah. I mean, his book, The Cosmos, is... It's so... The the narrative form is very... I mean, he, he was just an amazing orator. He was he, His ability to speak, especially um, on profound topics, is few and far between. Mm-hmm. And I think that that position of being the bridge to from academia to uh, pop culture is super important yeah right because there's a lot of malicious use of science because science itself is um i mean it has no implications right so when we come back to like thinking about phrenology right this is like if you're talking about intelligence with human beings that's a that's a scary thing to Mm. wield the power of right yeah and i I don't know I, i think it's it's especially scary, especially like on, on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think Joe is very susceptible to um, hearing something anecdotally from someone that he knows is is in the academic field, 
but he takes that as complete truth. So recently, mm. for example, <laughs> he's been saying, oh, I have this friend, Brett Weinstein, and he's yeah. been telling me that the coronavirus is man-made. <laughs> and I'm like, he says this on at least five podcasts yeah, that I've heard. I've heard that. And I, that is such a scary thing for him with his platform to be saying. And I mean, I have my reservations recently with the Weinstein brothers. Me too. But, but I mean, even if it is, right, uh, even if it is man-made, I think there is, it's obvious to have a cautionary thing behind that implication. Mm -hmm. Because that, if, if it is true, I mean, th there should be uh, like um, efforts to like, you know, let's stop making, weaponizing uh, um, diseases, right? Yeah. But if if the United States, I mean, it's obvious why they uh, don't speak on it and you should be always erring on the side of, okay, let's be charitable. Because if you're not charitable in this instance, especially in a time like now, it, it can be very uh, dangerous. Like you could start some kind of conflict that can go awry very quickly. And yeah, increase the um, kind of prejudice against people right. from Britain. Yeah. Well, and, or you could just... Today, having no comment is underrated. Like, everyone yeah. has to be an expert on everything. <laughs> when, like, not even the experts yeah. aren't experts on everything. That's what it means. To be an expert is to privilege one or a few, maybe, yeah. if you're polymathic, at a few fields of study yeah. and in there. Even that, right? Like, the, the, the beautiful thing about going into academia is that you just realize how stupid you are in the yeah. in the thing that you love the most. You can spend your entire time uh, like studying physics, sociology, whatever the case may be, but like you realize how um, how hard it is to make an impact and even to understand the niche topic within the department that you're in. Yeah. The, the best advice I got for getting into academia was like, you know, you're not going to come in and make a big wave. Um, a lot of... Um, make a big what? Wave. Oh, wave. A lot of TAM students. Uh, do you know about TAMs at UNT? Uh, it's like it's like that high school. Yeah, like... Texas Academy of Math and Sciences for yeah. juniors and seniors in high school. Oftentimes they will come in wanting to do something. I mean, these are obviously extremely brilliant children, um, young adults really, and they they they're so so capable that they want they think of science as a thing that they can come in and finish like. Like, since their ability was so vast in high school, mm -hmm. they can come in and finish the topic. In science, it's just not the case. You're, there's a difference. There's a hard line difference between learning and then creating at, the, at that edge where science is. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, Feynman, right? He, he, would, uh, he would say, like, you know, there, there's this... I mean, this is a common perspective in physics and probably all sciences, that you need this, like, sense of... You need to be smart, obviously, to get up there. But then the thing that drives is creativity. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I always think of is like, like all the alchemists that used to be physicists, they're like, these guys are fucking stupid. They believed in alchemy? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> like Isaac Newton was brilliant, but he was also kind of stupid. <laughs> like, it's insane how stupid he was. I, I'm sure there's something that people are going to say that about us. Yeah, now. for sure. You know, what is it? I, I'm, I can't, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've been, okay, so I've been working really hard on thesis work, and I, I've just, this week is my last week of, like, um, 
reading articles and books about moral panic theory. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ne next week, I'm like going into like more of the researching the actual case study, right? Okay. And I've been really, so the, the theory of moral panics has been around for, since like the, the early 1970s. So, mm -hmm. I mean, 50 years, right? Lots changed. It's a lot of developments, right? But uh, I'm having this problem where I really, I didn't used to be this way, as is very apparent in my early blog posts. <laughs> I'm now, I want to be clear in my writing. I want to be as clear as possible. That's like my yeah, goal. Yeah. And, um, but the problem is, is the framework that I'm using for my thesis is so jargon heavy. Mm. Um, the problem I'm having is, is I want to use different words. Yeah. Okay, a great example. This is so, this is like peak um, uh, academies or whatever, the academ academic speak, uh, the term responsibilization. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that that's a thing yeah, that yeah. people write, right? Right. But the problem is, is this term responsibilization yeah. in the literature holds a certain meaning right. that includes mm -hmm. theoretical assumptions. That's what make, that's what jargon is. Right, and of course. If I were to make a new word, <laughs> uh, like if I were to be like, if I were to just like maybe try to put what that word means in a through a phrase that would be easier to read, maybe. Right, right. It would one, it would take a long time. Right. Uh, and two, the people who who is my thesis directed to, right? I, I want the average person to be able to read my thesis, right? Yeah. But are they going to? It's probably going to be if anyone's going to read it. Probably no one will read it. But if if it makes if anyone's going to read it. It'll be people who are likely already familiar with these terms in the first place. Yeah. So why would I go to the effort of clarifying it any further? Yeah. I'm having that problem now, but ah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, maybe the objective you should probably get clear. I, th I think it's very important, even if you have no current audience. I think it's a it's a great exercise in simplifying what yeah. you're studying um, to explain it and like very simple terms obviously this is science 101 right I'm I mean, totally learning 101 <laughs> oh you know what you know it's so hard okay so i read this article it took me like two hours today to read yeah. this 20 page article because it and it was actually very helpful but i had to decode it meaning <laughs> it was written in uh, the journal of critical sociology mm. and it was Okay, so like he, this, per, the the author is a critical theorist, I think for sure. Okay. In the sense that he is thinking about discourse and how language forms the lens through which we see reality. Okay. But the. Okay, so if you're keeping that in mind and mm -hmm. you're wanting to write an article about conflicting lenses and how conflicting lenses, um, the dynamics of when people with different lenses are interacting in a cultural context, you have to start talking about talking while you're making your points. Okay, so for yeah. example, if different people have different words that they use, different uh, value-laden, very symbolically, very symbolically salient terms yeah. for something, and you want to talk about it in the abstract, you have to start saying things like, the signifier of the party 
said to do this like yeah. you have to and you have to that has to be the subject of a sentence right like <laughs> that a whole massive phrase yeah. where you're trying to abstract out it just becomes so unwieldy but i also don't know how else these people could talk about the thing yeah, yeah. for me it's just not even worth it i just i don't think the articles i don't think that talking that way i think it's okay to use terms like lenses and heat i don't know it would get really complex though that way too i don't know there's no good solution yeah no i mean yeah that's that's such a hard part especially i think that's a huge bridge um that's a huge problem because i think in this intern internet age right where we're so able to look up stuff but one of the big barriers to entry for academia is just i mean i mean right now we could we could get all of the information right and we know this we can get all of the textbooks i mean essentially for free but they're out there um, mm -hmm. although on libgen <laughs> yeah, exactly. for they're, free <laughs> not <laughs> we buy them legally full price <laughs> full price amazon but even if you uh even say like ignoring the barrier to entry if you're doing this legally and paying whatever price on amazon there's still a barrier to entry because there's what i've noticed in uh, science classes and social science classes is that when there's such a casual way of interpreting especially historical text um, that a professor has seen right mm -hmm. um, one of the things that is truly astonishing to me is a professor's ability to take a concept and they've like they've gathered such a an intense node or like web of ideas related to something right that they're able to expand upon it in such at such length mm. right they, they know like you could take uh some specific topic from some specific person in, in a field and they're able to say oh well there's a history behind this. Yeah. Even though as a student in the class, you're only tested on some very basic definition. Yeah. The, uh, like term X. Oh, well, here's the definition. You, you forget all the baggage. And it, yeah, I mean, it, I think there, there's this hidden process of learning, especially in academia, where uh, implicitly you learn this. Whereas through a textbook, how do you learn a web of knowledge you can't mm. and how i've been able to um learn as efficiently as as i can in like in a freeform structure is to to garner this web implicitly right so like you would take the same subject but taught by different people and you you have to take it at the same time uh, yeah and you can do this online and that's the advantage of this but if you don't have that interaction with a teacher where you're able to, it's it's not a two-way thing, you're just watching something online, there's no other way but to take multiple of the, like have this very mm. redundant course because there's, I, I'm convinced there's no way to learn something effectively if it, you're just watching something online. That's really interesting, yeah. It's, it's kind of like the, um, the analogy of like, the blind man and the elephant mm -hmm. like if you're you have to feel around a concept or a topic in yeah. a bunch of different you kind of just have to figure out the shape by yeah. like appealing to a lot of different 
like there's a bunch of blind people they're all touching a different part of the elephant is that the analogy are they touching yeah, the yeah. Elephant? i think that's what it they're all getting a different piece of it right. you want to hear the testimonies of all of the blind men right which and, is why debate like watching debates i think is the, uh, for me the best entrance yeah. it's not the quickest right but no. it gives you it's helpful to me to watch a debate about a topic i'm getting into like like when we talked about the electoral college mm. i the first thing i did when i was like i literally don't really know anything about electoral <laughs> college i was like electoral college debate and it was like <laughs> i i yeah learning from the different it's kind of like through the disagreements yeah you find out what the important parts of the thing are worth disagreeing about right and that leads you to more a better understanding that's it yeah it, it, it's insane because if you think about it a professor uh when he or she is talking about a topic they they can or elaborate they. or they yes <laughs> um when they're talking about a topic they, they can expand in such a in a way that they're almost like uh encapsulating such debate right because history is this kind of like back and forth right if you think about it in such a way uh they can they can really get behind that and give it to you but you have to there's even uh like there's one more meta level where their perception of what happened is just theirs because they also have mm. a current debate within the academic field that they're going in yeah right? it's silly to even in physics something that is so uh, literally physical, uh, you would think non-disputable. There, there are such vigorous disagreements, and quite literally, I mean, a lot of these have a lot of important uh, implications. That I mean, like it's important to like because at the end of the day, whatever wins will be uh, like invested into. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I mean, thinking about all of that. I just don't see how it's it's easy like uh, within that like so, there's so much complexity even within such simple topics that uh, people can make up it's hard for me to imagine that one person uh has like a very great way of like describing such things yeah and you know and you, you mentioned earlier you know Rogan just throwing out things that Brett Weinstein has said. Mm -hmm. uh, Brett Weinstein, I think, is a very smart of guy, course. obviously. And he, he's, I mean, he seems to know a lot about his field of expertise, which is mm -hmm. um, biology, yeah. right? And genetics. Um, or, yeah, evolutionary biology is his field. Okay. Uh, but, and this is, you know, I, I don't know how to solve this problem, but so Brett Weinstein or someone like him, goes on Rogan's podcast or just any podcast mm -hmm. and is asked about something that he's an expert at. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he delivers a response that sounds very professional because it yeah. is, he's a, he's an expert, but then he's asked a different question about something totally unrelated, yeah. like the George Floyd murder right. or the coronavirus. And then he says a thing and he sounds smart because he's a smart guy right. and he talks like an academic does, right? And somehow we have this this weird sense of credibility transfers. Yeah, there's a re yeah, it, it does a great credibility transfer. There's a residual authority, <laughs> right? That, right. And you know a great example of this is uh, Jordan Peterson or in anyone yeah, like him, you of know. Course. Uh, Peterson is brilliant about uh, uh, psychiatry, I guess is mainly yeah. uh, uh and um or no he's not psychiatry it's like counseling psychology or whatever he does mm -hmm. uh, he has patients so 
Yeah, I thought he was. But he doesn't. I don't think he's a psychiatrist. Oh, maybe not. No, I'm not a psychologist. Right, right. Um, But uh, yeah, but then people are like, "What do you think about climate change?" Like people, (laughs) yeah, the Oxford Forum. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, I don't know. It seems a little like maybe it's being exaggerated." And I'm like, "You don't fucking know. Like, (laughs) why are we asking you?" (laughs) Yeah, it's insane to me, and I think it should. You, you'll have a similar kind of idea to this. I when I was working in on like papers in uh or like on research <clears throat> not on specifically papers in in physics my mentor uh like a phd candidate he he was like you know i am he was explaining his uh thesis to me right and he was like yeah i'm an expert on this very small topic literally no one knows more than me about <laughs> embedding like uh like uh, something into another substrate, like very specific uh, materials, right? And I was like, and the what you'll learn is that you will go around in this physics department learning about <clears throat> other people's thesis, theses, and you won't, you will have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Yeah. But you'll nod and shake. Yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll agree. Just to think, me as a person that has a physics under uh, understanding has very little understanding even within mm. the physics field to think that i could go into a tangent like completely different field and have any amount of authority is baffling to me yeah i mean that, that's the thing i went when it's this like kind of thing about uh <laughs> like uh it reminds me um i'm indian right uh, this it's kind of so if you if you have like a lot of um, there's this tendency uh, I can speak to is that like if say I'm going to high school there's other Indians there um, it's interesting there's this connection that we're Indians and there's like some credibility yeah. right but then we want within that group of Indians say we were having an Indian parent party which is a thing we will associate with within regions. Uh, same thing happens in academia. We have these kind of like, <laughs> we're like, oh, he's a, he's a particle physicist. Oh, he's working on string theory. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> and then like, you know, some particle physicist will be like, yeah, that's cute. Okay. We do real <laughs> physics over here. Right. It's so like, it's, it's, it's so funny that there's this like, I, and when, when you have that kind of understanding and to see like these pop culture people, Apparently having a, a, like a statement on everything, it yeah. seems a little scary. Yeah. At the least. It's very, in a way, it's anti-intellectual. Well, it's definitely anti-expertise, but it's right. anti-intellectual in the sense that you're not... Um... Well, the, the interesting thing is, is that I'm not even sure why they they would want like i mean it, it makes sense if i were in the same position i'd be like yeah well i'm not but i'm gonna give you my what i think is correct right mm-hmm. it makes sense it seems like a natural thing to do but if they, i i don't i don't oppose like say sam harris for instance he's a what he did philosophy as an undergraduate and then mm-hmm. did neuroscience right mm-hmm. it, it's completely with his platform it makes complete sense that he would want to be interested in broad topics mm-hmm. and he brings experts 
from those topics and to have conversations. Yeah. The scary thing is, is that say for instance, I was talking to you about physics, right? Like some physics concept. I can talk to you like, Oh yeah, the big bang was blah, blah, right. I can talk with such authority, but if there's another physics person in here, I'll be yeah. like, well, the big bang uh, technically is this, and I'll have this kind of like air of skepticism. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm right. Right. Yeah. And then like, you know, there's this kind of like, Oh, I don't want to, overstep i don't want to there's no, no nothing like that in a lot of these instances totally where you don't you, they're just like unchecked <laughs> like, the, i think you're hitting on exactly the thing that i was thinking about which is like if everyone's just eating up what you're saying all the time yeah. like people are like like honestly i was this guy for a little bit and just some extent, i are. still am we all, <laughs> we all have a we all have a, a god a jordan peterson and for a while i was just watching jordan peterson some videos and like everything they'd be like what's your favorite food and i'd be like he'd be like saying something and i'd be like well maybe that is the best food. <laughs> that's know. my favorite food uh, you know so much about everything else um uh, <laughs> yeah you know this is why you know what is underrated today shame <laughs> for real though we need more acceptance we need to more recognition of yeah. the social function yeah of shame you know what like okay me i have yes you when when with the thought that someone else nearby will know more than you about a um, thing yeah. and make you look like a fool in front of your friend while you are talking so authoritatively about your subject yeah uh that's shame but it's good yeah, it yeah, puts yeah. you regularly used to, yeah it puts you in check we need right. more of that well i think the the better step and i i i, I mean i don't agree with joe rogan on a lot of things, but I think one thing that is captivating about him is his, ironically, his like lack of shame. Like he's able <laughs> to, well, I mean, but it's important because yeah. he's he's able to argue for stuff and then just step away. Mm -hmm. he, I remember there, I mean, there's he does this quite frequently where he will argue about something and then he'll just flip and then argue against exactly what he just yeah, argued. Yeah. And I think that kind of, um, that kind of process is, we, we don't value that at all. Mm -hmm. We Like right now, if like Jordan Peterson, some th like Ezra Klein, these people that take themselves very seriously, right? Mm -hmm. And they should, right? But that seriousness, unfortunately, results in this like inability to explore. Like mm -hmm. they're not able to be like, you know what, fuck it. Um, like the, they're not able to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to go through this entire argument as if, I really believe it mm. and then like flip on it and then say you know what yeah but you know this is what you would do in like debate club yeah and you're so accustomed to that I don't know why that's not um, more prevalent because I think take someone like Jordan Peterson right his uh, the the icon that he is has some weight with specific people right um, say someone that comes from a family that um, or someone that is looking for a father figure. It doesn't matter what he's saying. It's it's the thing and the authority with what he's saying. Yeah. It's going to have an imprint no matter what. And that's why a lot of people like uh, get into like cults or mm -hmm. like neo-Nazi groups because they know it doesn't matter what they're saying. This is such a authority figure that they gravitate towards it. And it's uh, there's some benefits of having that authority figure. But it would be awesome if Jordan Peterson were to like argue for something and then argue for something else that's completely contrary because then it would 
really uh, capture like the <laughs> the flaws of rhetoric because like he's going to be able to uh, argue both things in such a uh, in the same kind of uh, speech that he usually like employs. It's so like it's so thoughtful, thought provoking, and um, I mean just the calmness that he says it in is. I guess it would just need to be contextualized as like like I know you know I'm like a big proponent of doing just that of like mm. I don't think any ideas should be taboo in the sense that you shouldn't see it as like uh, the forbidden land right. you you that's you're just gonna get curious about it no you got to go like scope it out right yeah yeah um, and you got to carry that through but I guess and I'm all for people playing devil's advocate all the time, right? Yeah. But I guess the problem is, is if they're public figures, it, we would just need to be made aware that, like, hey, I'm going to engage in this um, back and forth with my yeah. own arguments. Because otherwise, it, it'll it, be unclear. I think it's, 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 it's interesting. I think it's a fault of our own age in, in the sense that I don't know why we ascribe, like, we can hear a clip it, right? Of oh, something wow. like a clip. Oh yeah. Of something, um, and we just assume this person has this this kind of whatever this clip says. That's oh, their thing, yeah. and it's so odd because we know that may, there there's there can be surrounding information mm. that changes it, right? But <laughs> I. I, I it's so odd to me. We lived, we live in this like very uh, fast-paced, processed world. Um, I, I think my, I think what I gravitate towards is that instead of the need to assure people, oh, this is this is an act of uh, you know exploration. I think we should be more like we we why don't I don't understand why we care so much at this time about what other people think. Mm, yeah. Right? Like it, it seems that like people should have their like it should be very I don't know how to put this. Um more lighthearted and I think that would allow for more creativity and I think we take I'm not sure why we take ideas so seriously. Well, we don't take all ideas seriously. I think it's the ideas that are have to, so much to do with identity and polarization, like political polarization yeah. and identity. Because, like, but, well, someone why... has a really strong opinion about Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. We don't right, care. True. Right. true, true. It depends. But why is it that if I hold some... Say, for instance, I was, I was racist, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that people are so adamant about like trying like it's not in a way that i don't know it seems counterproductive um the ways people employ and try to like uh change people's minds right well because they're not trying it's counterproductive because like oftentimes they're just like you're racist you're stupid yeah Yeah. exactly they're not trying to change your mind if i i'm i'm indian i mean i can I, i i think quite honestly i'm like as an Indian, I don't think it's fair to say I'm a person of color because it's honestly, from my perspective, it seems I'm just like a white person with more melanin. I, I don't think there's the implications behind being Indian don't seem very harsh. But that being said, if I did run into someone that was 
racist, right? I mean, I, I don't think if my objective is to change someone's mind, it seems very counterproductive to like this kind of like cancel culture seems, it seems productive in that one instance, right? Of like getting that person canceled, which I don't know if that should be the case, but it seems counterproductive in the grand scheme of like the, you know, proliferation of ideas. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, totally. Totally. I, I, I can't, I hate the impulse of let me cancel you. Yeah. Like I actually, I, I go pretty far on this. Like you, I'd actually be hard pressed. Mm-hmm. You'd be hard pressed to find someone who I think should lose their job for something like, like okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't lie though. Like some of the clips I see, like there, there is this weird urge I get. I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. You know what it is? <laughs> I see it as like, it's such a more, you know what the impulse is? I think mm. is Aliona, my wife, for those who don't know, um, loves um, Dr. Phil. So like she'll oh, watch no. like Dr. Phil clips on Facebook sometimes. Went to like UNT. A guilty pleasure. But yeah, Dr. Phil did, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious he went to UNT. Um, and you know what that show is? It's the modern equivalent of like people in primitive times pulling out people who are like considered the freaks for whatever reason. Oh, he, yeah. you know, in circuses, this is taken to uh, its extreme of like the bearded lady or mm. um, some, you know, what are you supposed to call it? Like the little person. He's Small short, people. but uh, he's fully grown. Yeah. Like where people are like, oh my gosh, that's so abnormal. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it's like, there's a moral aspect to it. Or, or like, okay, people would like, like stonings or like public executions or like uh, tar, tar and feathering in like early colonial days. Like there's, there's always this thing to be like, uh, the person becomes a symbol. Mm. They become the, the physical embodiment of uh, that which the social boundaries are, are pushing up against, right? It's like, like they represent the bad things that we don't stand for in our society as upstanding moral citizens, right? Mm. They become folk devils, to use a word from the more <laughs> panic theory. Um, but uh, so, okay, so the Dr. Phil thing, like you can know a lot about the, 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 the moral views of the audience, I think, based off of who goes on the show and what their problems are. Someone will be like, oh, my wife, um, keeps doing drugs and she won't take care of the kids. And you can just feel the audience being like, ah, oh, people who do drugs are bad. Or like, it'll be like, someone will be like, I, whatever it is, it's that same thing. You know, right. it's like people, are, we get to feel good about ourselves. And you know, like what this is a really good example is um, to catch a predator. That's oh, a pedophile yeah. show, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get to, because pedophiles, everyone gets to shit on pedophiles. Right. Like, they're at the bottom of the bottom. You can't get worse than that. Yeah, you really uh, can't. You, we, we, you know, which isn't totally true. I, I, it's like you're cursed with it. But, but of course, these people are acting on it and they're like actively right. trying to exploit children. True. That's bad, need it be said. But uh, we, yeah, we like to watch that show because we get to be like, ooh, that guy's bad. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that. And that's interesting. That's part one. But main thing, part two, is fuck that guy. I'm so much better than him. We're, we're no better than the people who like beat up pedophiles in prison, right? We're right. beating them up with our heads. I think that's what we do. I don't think we, I don't think we, we are dehumanizing the people that we see on Twitter. 
uh, yeah. and these like viral videos, we don't see them as people. And we just see them as symbols um, that we can prove our, um, that we can project on all yeah. the things that we don't like about the world. I mean, that, that's a very interesting thing. I think, I mean, it's a fault of us being so abstracted um, from the majority of people that, like, the majority of people that we consume on, like, social media, especially in these clips, we're never going to know. Yeah. So it's so easy to, like, be like, yeah, fuck that guy. It's more of a, it, it, it does resonate as a more of, like, a symbol, you know, a maypole to, like, kind of like, oh, this is what me and my friends believe is bad mm. or good. Yeah. But I I don't know. It's a, I, I'm trying to think here. Um, That's, real quick, that Guns N' Camo movie that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the the message of the movie mm. was this that we're so desensitized um, because like what was happening is in like the not so distant future, um, a group of people called like this organization called Schism would uh, they would track down people who are criminals and make them fight each other and they would have little drones that would follow around and they would like fight to the death in like bloody ways but people all around the country would be fine uh, the world would be so excited to watch this real world violence right because it was like it's like video games in real life have merged right which was even interesting they did that in the 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 movie itself was me watching someone uh killing a bunch of people and not caring so it's like kind of a meta point yeah, too yeah. right but um but yeah you know i've actually i don't there have been real life videos taken mm. that i have known that have existed and a few times that i have sought out to watch that i'm not proud of but like um there's a kind of morbid curiosity and there really yeah. is a strange sense like Okay, to use an example, I don't think this is incriminates me. I don't think this is, like, the worst thing I could say. But, like, remember when um, ISIS was beheading people and posting videos? Yeah, yeah. I watched one of those videos one time. I was, like, too young, I really think, to... I don't think you're ever old enough to watch one of those videos anyway. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I, this was, like... I was in high school, and I saw it. I came across it on, on Reddit, of course, right? Really? And was it on Watch People Die? They banned that subreddit. Yeah, so I think it was on Reddit, on yeah. Watch People Die, or something like that, some kind of gruesome. And you know what disturbed me more than the video? Mm. Was how kind of surprisingly little I felt about it. Yeah. And that, that's, that disturbed me more, which is like, I, know, I knew for a fact this was a real recording right. of real people who are innocent being murdered, slaughtered. Right. And of course it was disturbing, right? Yeah. But I wasn't like, I was able to quickly kind of move on, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that, that, I mean, honestly, I think this kind of comes on to the topic of like, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that we have these, us as individuals, um, number one, we believe that we need to change a lot of things, right? Like, we, we believe we have this, like, kind of will to power of, I mean, a lot of these are amazing intentions that I even have. Like, I don't want people to be racist. I don't want uh, bad things to happen, right? Wow. <laughs> I actually do want bad things to happen. <laughs> well, you have the will to power for that to happen, right? <laughs> no, but, like, the, the funny thing is, is that 
coincidentally, we have this like level of abstraction to so many things that like we're, we're not very, unfortunately, we're not very empirical. And one of the, I realized this uh, when the Syrian crisis was happening, right? Mm. You, you would see like 100 people dead. And you'd be like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Oh, my God. But it was not until that iconic photo of the boy sitting on an ambulance, like in the back of an ambulance, covered in dust and blood, mm-hmm. that it was like a national news story. Yeah. The world didn't give a fuck about 100 people dead. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see it. They wanted to feel it. And the, there, I think there's this, like, there is this dissonance. I think we're, I mean, honestly, I, I've... Quite recently, like a week ago, I just deleted Twitter and Reddit. Yeah. Because especially in quarantine time, uh, I just browse too much and I'm like programmed to do so. And I think um, there's just a lot more negative stuff out there right now than positive. For sure. And it's just, I think, uh, oops, I think we, I mean, it's just this, this kind of like, I, I think I, I, I'm kind of backtracking and I seem to say this more powerfully, but it's more of like a correction on my part. But I think we just care way too much about what other people believe. And I think, I mean, I don't think that's a wrong thing, but I think we have this kind of like adamant um, intention or this kind of adamant impulse to have everyone believe what we believe immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, through force and i think that's the disturbing part um and i I, especially with the abstraction it's just it it results in like you know obviously people getting canceled but then like you you have collateral there uh, with people getting canceled improperly Mm -hmm. and just the (laughs) how way information works if even if you figure out like this this is something that news outlets have to deal with if you put something out you can correct something, but the damage is irreversible. Totally. The amount of energy that you would need to like correct something is is exponentially like impossible, right? And that's a scary thing. Yeah, totally. And and then, I mean that that's why I think my my first impulse. I mean, mm. in this processed kind of like we're not empirical we we really would i mean especially me i can speak for myself here um i think in a lot of cases uh, was it foucault who was talking about like uh hanging people uh, bringing back people like uh, people we were more civilized when we would hang people in the town square yeah the idea is now there's like a sequestration of violence yeah, we, we, it's we abstract it back in the yeah behind this backstage what right. we do with uh animals too you know like factory oh, farming yeah. and stuff as long as we can't see it yeah and it, it, the, i saw a recent like there, it's a viral video i'm pretty sure it's quite old it was a guy that's hunting in a in the neighborhood uh, and uh i guess he, he he's allowed to hunt there because you know he called the cops but there was these kids that came up and oh, they were so that. upset that yeah. he was killing animals and he's like i i love this line he was like where do you think animals come from that you eat and he's like i don't i don't care and there was an adult with him. He Their was like, kid's dad himself. was the worst. Like, he was, like, so... Like, why did he care? Yeah. What? I was... It's, it's very hard for me to imagine that level of abstraction. Uh, 
it's kind of scary. Yeah. Because even, okay, so even me as a vegetarian, right, the, due to the level of farming that, like, you know, even produce comes from, right, there's animals killed. Mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, like, perfect. I eat eggs. Eggs is um, one of the worst factory farming cases, right? Oh, yeah. mm. And it's, like, realizing that even if you, I, the, the level that there's, like, gradations to this kind of like even if you have some moral gradient right it's not good bad it's like you know there, there's like different levels of effort um but that's only working within one spectrum right yeah and that that's the thing that like coming back to like the whole canceling people of racism one thing that i like joe rogan for is that he understands that like i mean you just canceling people is great when you don't know them, but he has like Alex Jones on his podcast, right? Mm. And the funny thing about that is that Joe, Joe Rogan doesn't agree with everything that his guests say, but he wait like he develops an enough of uh, like like some kind of relationship, intimate relationship with them, so that he leverages that relationship at points where it's most effective. Yeah. So like with like with Ben Shapiro, he's not like, yeah, dude, like, he, I mean, I, I know that just by the fact that like, say for instance, uh, Ben Shapiro is religious and Joe is not, he could just keep bringing that up in arguments, but he doesn't, he waits for a very opportune time. And that's like, that's the humanization aspect that we lack with trying to cancel people immediately because I mean, God knows we, we all have family relatives that are not moral saints, but you would be the last person to cancel them because you're yeah. like, Oh, well that's uncle Joe. Yeah. He's totally. kind of racist, but he's I cool. This great quote. It was something like it's more noble to give yourself to one individual than to liberate a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I increasingly, you know, what impacted me in that direction is the brothers Karamazov. Reading right. that, um, the I'm I'm increasingly feeling myself becoming conservative in this sense philosophically, mm. um, which I'm part of me like pushes back on anything that I'm like, is this what the conservatives think? Yeah. I'm like, I can't think that. I'm increasingly yeah. doing away with that and be, being able to be a little bit more eclectic in my uh, positions on things, right, right which I think right. is good. Um, I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong about having a position that right. other people who, you know, and probably many people who aren't just conservative or on the flip side aren't just liberal as share, right? They just right. don't want to talk about it. But um, is this view that um, it's easy to be a political activist yeah. now? It's easy slacktivism is a thing yeah. and it is i think most of the thing and i think that a, a prerequisite to genuinely being an activist for for the underprivileged mm. is quote unquote like having your house in order or yeah, yeah, yeah. being able to relate to other people like there's this great line in the brothers karmazov i can't remember how it goes exactly but dimitri no uh, Ivan, Ivan, the, the intellectual atheist guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ivan uh, 
there's some line where he says that he cares more about society,、mm. about mankind,、yeah. than he does about his neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is profound, and I think that is such a prevalent issue today, yeah, yeah, yeah. where people <laughs> care so much about X or Y social category, right? right. I, But I, they don't give a fuck about like. Anyone in real life、yeah. who does or does not fit that category, they don't know people, right? It's always it's so interesting because we we do have this tendency to like we have this tendency to judge people、um, so quickly. Like we have, I mean, and I think like our sense of like there's this like red flag that's raised if you don't agree with the moral、um, foundation. But this like moral superiority that people have is、mm. like it's very scary because it lacks. I mean, of course, I mean there there's many instances where、um, it's useful, right? But in some of the instances, especially now with、uh, with cancel culture,、um, it's scary that we're we don't emphasize understanding.、Mm. Like I, I remember there was there's a, there's been a lot, especially on Reddit,、um, people cancel people. And there's this like brigade, right? People go and yeah, pile on. Ah,、oh, got it. And yeah, and it, it's malicious. They like put their relatives' information online, and you know,、yeah. of course, people are going to act on that and harass.、Um, but the thing is, is like I, there's a there's this like、uh, Gandhi anecdote, right? There was a lady that came up to Gandhi and was like. Oh my! I, my child eats too much sweets. Tell him to stop eating sweets. And he was like, "Come back in a month." And she was like, "Okay."、Um, and she comes back, and he's like, "Don't eat sweets." And she was like,、well, "Why did you make me wait for a month?"、Huh. And he was like, "Well, I had to do it. I have to see if I could stop eating sweets to employ that." Oh wow! Right?、Yeah. And so like that. I don't know. It, like it's just a perfect anecdote. And yeah, and like with the. It's it's interesting because when we it's so funny because when we when we come from this like rationalization kind of paradigm of like I'm gonna figure out what's morally correct and incorrect and then I'm gonna map it onto the world right this kind of I mean obviously with rationalization you're gonna have some kind of abstraction from how different processes in life change what you think right、mm-hmm. um, like for instance I. I could sit here and be like, you know, I should. You should be vegetarian. I don't understand. You're killing animals.、Mm-hmm. Would you eat your cat? <laughs> no, right? Then why do you eat animals? Boom. Uh huh. Pita. Roasted. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but the, but the thing is, is that there, there, it's so much more complex than that. And even in my life, I have to acknowledge that、um, it's a journey. Like, number one, I was brought up vegetarian, so God knows. If I was brought up differently, I would have some rationalization、mm-hmm. for having said thought, right?、And、number two, even within my my moral,、uh, like you know, whatever paradigm I have in my head of, oh, this is why I'm vegetarian. I know for a fact that I'm not being perfect within that,、mm-hmm. right?、And、I mean, I I, I never knew、um, until recently that so like so many animals. Uh, are collateral in 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 vegetarian food, like with、yeah. plants. That's crazy. That either,、huh? Yeah, like I mean, you can imagine it when with heavy machinery, right?、Uh. A lot of like small rodents get killed,、mm. 
Right? And that's not good. And what, what about like, um, I mean, I'm such a big proponent of science. What about like testing with vaccines, right? Mm. Coronavirus with uh, like mice, right? Yeah. Or like animal testing. There's gradients. And the point is, is that there's a conversation to be had. And me, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure it out myself and to have like the, the kind of, the kind of authority some people speak from is a little scary. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. You know, this relates to the Uyghurs thing, Mm. which is that we know for a fact, I think, Mm. um, yeah, for a fact that China is operating what are basically concentration camps. Like, uh, the, there was some footage in the John Oliver. It's sad that I'm even having to reference John Oliver because I didn't know, I knew so little about this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there was a clip in, in the John Oliver segment about, um, the, the houses, uh, for the fact, like some of these Uyghurs are being transported to these, they're basically like, again concentration camps where they're working at factories so this is they're literally this is this isn't i'm not trying to sugarcoat it here this is literally like forced labor uh this is like a modern day slavery concentration camp this is what this is and just because it can look a certain but you know i've been physically to uh dachau to Mm. the um the camp in germany um uh where the jews were the concentration camp at Dachau. And you know what? It looked a lot like that. The, yeah. the, the, the It looked very much like that. And that struck me. Obviously, concentration camps don't have to look a particular way, right? But that struck me. And you know what? I Like, what what can I do? You know? What can I do to help? Like, I can raise awareness. That's so overrated. That yeah. doesn't do anything. Like, what? Yeah. So what if, like, my Facebook friends now care about the Uyghurs? What are we going to do? Invade China? You know, know, so there's that. But okay, but the other thing is, I can make a strong argument for vegetarianism. Yeah, I I believe the arguments are there. Peter Singer has made some fantastic arguments for not eating animals. I get it. The conscious creatures. I'm not. I don't. I'm not religious, so I, I, I obviously think humans are more important than animals. But I can't really rationalize that philosophically from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I just don't care. And then yeah. that's a big problem. Like, sometimes you just, like, I, I just think about what my life would be like if I gave up meat. Yeah. And I get it. I get the arguments. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't want to. And I, no, you yeah. know, sometimes you just can't be argued your way. And I, I'm wondering if, like, maybe if I went to a factory and I, like, visibly shook myself, I yeah. saw the horrible, it's really horrible. I, I hear the stories, I watch the videos. And I wonder how long I want to eat meat. Yeah. And I just don't. Sometimes you just can't be the, and that's you know that kind of goes against my. I have this utopian view of like every, we should debate about everything. Everything can be yeah, a debate, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But like sometimes you're just affectively so tied to a practice or a position or yeah. an identity that you literally can't. I mean, trust me. I mean. Who, who am I kidding? I've experienced this many times trying to talk to religious people about paradoxes and contradictions and yeah. things well, that don't make sense there. The thing is, is that with with, with a lot of beliefs, I, I, I think in a lot of instances, we're, we're such 
we're, we're great at rationalizing what is convenient, which yeah. is, and I, I, and I remember, uh, I mean, I was reading the, um, what, what's it called? Effective altruism book mm. recently by Will McCaskill. And one of the things he talks about in there is like, oh, we're, we're so, when something is so intimate to us, like say your dad gets cancer, like prostate cancer, you know, you, you go on prostate cancer runs and all mm. of this. But like at the end of the day, it's like, what if there, he, he brings up this one condition that is extremely rare and he actually visits the home of uh, these people where they're being taken care of uh, for this condition. I, I don't remember what the condition was, but he says that apart from knowing them, such wonderful people that they were, um, he still like donated appropriately mm. in the scheme of like what, what is most pertinent in an empirical way. And I think, like I mean, this is the which disease is causing right, like, the most harm. Yeah, right, right. Like, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. So, like, this kind of goes along with like Singer's uh, expanding of like the ego, right? It, it makes complete sense because, I mean, it's like his traditional argument of if you saw like a kid drowning, yeah, you would go save him if he was in front of you, of course. But we have that same power, but it's so abstract that. You don't give a shit dude yeah and I, it's hard for me and it, 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 it that's a it would be <laughs> completely false to for me to be like oh well you know that doesn't affect me i'm above that but i do think hey i mean it's i do think that is one thing i believe that people should work towards you but, know i think we're seeing that we're seeing this, this comes back to the shame thing like mm -hmm. usually shame is very localized parochial and interpersonal where mm. like the example we gave earlier someone walks in and they okay and they see you and you feel shame but now we're we're having an increased awareness of the impact of social systems and social structures and institutions mm. and broader globalized even dynamics of factory uh you know vietnam or whatever using yeah um yeah. slave labor like child labor and um so now we're learning how to shame people for behaviors based off of their, mm. you know, billionth order effect, um, yeah. which is good, but also bad because I was thinking about this, do you think, you kind of touched on this earlier, I think there's just too many, we're just too aware now. There's too many things to care about. I mean, it's, it, there's this, I remember going through this phase when I was like, I remember seeing like uh, similarly to, uh, I think it was maybe on r slash watch people die, right? Mm. There's just like atrocious things that the drug cartel would do. And oh, yeah. living in Texas, I was like, dude, they're like right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do crazy stuff. And of course people do crazy stuff here too. Um, but I remember thinking that and then I was like, wait, in North Korea, that's a literal dictatorship right now. Mm -hmm. Like what? And I was like, it was just... Like, what if I was born there? That kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. that, that, would, that would be atrocious. And I would be, I mean, of course, maybe I would be indoctrinated into thinking, I mean, because, you know, limited information. So maybe I would maybe think it was it be fine. Atrocious. Yeah, I don't right. know. It's a big question. But the thing is, is that at that moment, I was just like so overwhelmed by the amount of, the amount of 
things that I saw as blatantly bad, right? Yeah. It was just like, no, there's no defending what the drug, drug cartel does. There's no defending a dictatorship, North Korea. But, and like, coincidentally, at the same time, there's this, the lack of power I had in these systems, right? Like, what could I do at the time I was, I think I was a high schooler, to to affect these things, mm-hmm. right? And I think, I mean, in a lot of cases, so for, say for instance, with like vegetarianism, I think there's, I think in a lot of, like, especially people that are not fortunate and they're, they're just trying to, um, you know, well, one of the things with uh, food health, right, is that a lot of people that are uh, food insecure make the worst choices of diet. Yeah. Right. And it's easy for me to be like, oh, well, you know, I go to the gym, got to eat these things and that's, I'm better because I do these things. I do think it is a healthier lifestyle. But it's hard for me to blame uh, people that are less fortunate, even if they're not of a bad socioeconomic income, of their like their food choices. It's a, that's such an intimate thing. And so when when it comes to like vegetarianism, I think the first thing, first plan of action is to really become intimate with that subject and know, understand um, what you're arguing, and not go after yeah. people. But the second thing. I mean, I'm totally against forcing people to do stuff, right? I think the second thing and the most, one of the most vital things that you can do, if animal like suffering is very important to you, right? And there's just no bridging the gap at the moment with like rhetoric or like, you know, I think it's technology, right? Mm. Like imagine if you were able to make a supplement, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like there's no arguing against that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, there's just no arguing against, uh, like, if Beyond Meat were to make a supplement that is, you know, does not taste very different and also gives you the nutrition that meat would. If that's the case, then, like, you know, there, there's a, you take away the arguments. Of, and I would eat that in a, I would choose that in a, if it wasn't like course. that much more expensive. I would choose that in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. But that shows that I, the fact that I feel that way shows that at least part of me, but you know, do I want, is the real reason that I know that people are judging me because I don't care as much as they do about the animals or is it because I genuinely care about the animals? Does it really matter? I don't know. You but know, but, it, but as a person that cares about animal suffering, who gives a fuck? If you, exactly. <laughs> like, if you're the thinking like, oh, same. well, you had to wait, like, yeah. I, like the bandwagon thing, it's like, oh, you waited until... Uh, Beyond Meat made this thing, but you don't really care. Like th- those people are completely. I mean, th- that's that's the like moralization red flag that people yeah. should have because they're weaponizing this kind of moral gradient. Totally, that's, that's a great so way bad. To put it. You know, I really like Will McCaskill's work and the effect of altruism movement. I mm. like, of course, it's a good thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, but. And this is a really big butt. And it's, this butt, for me, has gotten... It's gotten to be a big butt. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's growing in my... It's growing. Um, <laughs> it's growing. The butt is inflating. It is... There There are a lot of types of good mm. uh, that can't be quantified in the yeah, same way. For sure. And this goes back to that quote about giving yourself... 
to it. You can't quantify yeah. the effects of building trust in a relationship. Yeah. Or building trust in a community with mm-hmm. other people. Or keeping your word. Yeah. Or, these things have huge effects, right? But they can't be quantified, right? But the yeah, problem is, is yeah. if we if we if we fail to emphasize mm. um, character yeah. and honor, yeah. and I know these are very traditional, you know, maybe to some anachronistic they were to me not long ago terms, um, then then there are no people to help because we've kind of lost our humanity. Yeah. Like, um, and that's that kind of like, um, you know that show, um, My Hero Academia? The yeah. good guy is, um, is uh, one for all. Mm. And the bad guy is all for one. Yeah. And um, that's a subtle... Um, is a subtle difference in terms of emphasis about yeah. whether or not you built, you base, like, um, it's about the difference between these utilitarian approaches to yeah. harm minimization, which are important and should be considered, right? Yeah. You just have to counterpose those to the more immediate considerations about yeah. who you are as a person and how you're impacting other people in their ethical development right like yeah, i think yeah. that's what uh, dostoevsky's novel perfectly shows where ivan is a shitty person and he knows it right uh, yeah. but he ca- so he cares the most and he can make the arguments and he can he can do all the things right but he he doesn't care about his family he's willing yeah. to kill his father you know he doesn't care he doesn't care that his father's being killed yeah. like he when, when you lose that you really do lose the thing that makes people worth saving in the first place, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it, it is funny because, uh, I mean, even, even with McCaskill's work, he uses this like uh, quality of life measure. Right. And I mean, that itself is an abstract measure. And I think if you were to read his book and then, I mean, this kind of goes back to like the use of science and use it as a predominant paradigm to like, evaluate everything Mm -hmm. you would be so wrong right and he he acknowledges this and i think he he's very aware of like the fact that his paradigm is very ambitious and i don't think people should take it as like oh well treating cancer is uh would be uh, will result in a greater quantity of uh, quality of life improvement than treating uh like a drunk drivers so we need to fund this more than that i think there's a lot of gray area and i don't think there's like there's stuff to uh there's definitely like where areas where like you can't be definitive Mm -hmm. in the way that his paradigm is right um but i think i I think it's in in the time we live right now um i think effective altruism is a it's a it's a prescription for someone that is already has the trajectory to do good uh yeah they they care enough right they're they're like i have fifty thousand, or like i i have this feeling i want to do good how can i do this more effectively because i'm going to try to do it anyway i guess yeah i i guess my thing is like 
it's hard because okay in one sense it's a lot better for you to donate if you're like a millionaire like a bunch mm-hmm. of money to help a cause that will actually go and help a lot of people right in one sense it's better to do that than to like really work on like how much you keep your word and like how uh much you like in yeah. one sense right but in another sense um in another sense things that are easy to do if it's too easy i think to feel good about yourself like okay mm-hmm. so like you can be you can be jeff bezos uh-huh. and you can donate a million dollars to a cause which is like nothing a penny him. or yeah. something to us like okay that we recognize that although the million dollars is thank you bezos we should be thankful when people do that right. whenever like i really hated it when like when um notre dame uh caught mm. fire and the like a lot of the millionaires were like here's some money and that like it wasn't like they weren't saying worship me because i have donated this money they were just like here's some money and the people were like oh, how dare you think we should worship you because you give this <laughs> and then i think people were like well i didn't i never said i was like sacrificing a lot like i was just like here's a million dollars like how like and a lot of the people were who were like can't believe these millionaires only gave like 100 <laughs> grand they didn't give a single penny right like there's that okay but the other thing is if if it's too easy to feel like you've done something good yeah. it's a kind of shortcut to character that i think is very dangerous mm-hmm. um if you because it doesn't improving yourself and bettering yourself as a person mm. and becoming capable of being independent enough that other people can depend on you and you can become interdependent yeah and um that you can genuinely help people yeah that takes work and it's yeah. hard and it takes sacrifice right and that's underrated today i think and that's seen as anachronistic so do um, you mean like in the sense that like you can like for instance like steve jobs right his impact was like tremendous mm-hmm. but i mean he's regarded as an asshole yeah from like people that did know him and he i mean he's not looked upon fondly as like um by the people that did know him mm-hmm. right so do you mean like that kind of difference where maybe you can uh, be like societally good because of whatever actions you take but then like the people closest to you you're you're right. hurting yeah because think about a society in which everyone is societally good but the people around you don't yeah. think you're good that is a terrible terrible society yeah. and it's a it's a, it's a society not worth sacrificing for right yeah like i don't know I, there's I, I don't want to go to the other extreme here and say like i'm not saying at all that like right, right, right. i totally see this the the imperative um of the effect of altruism movement and i think it's a great thing to think about like yeah to think about things in that way right but i think i mean your suspicion of like it being a moral substitute is is dangerous because i mean we, we know that that's a thing right um i think he might even talk about that in the book oh, where really? people yeah it's like the the studies where <laughs> like if you did something good then you have this like moral ground to do something bad yeah right or like the college students one is the one i think he brought up maybe it's another book but college students that said that they were going to uh use like green or like purchase green items acted morally worse 
because they said uh, yeah. that they were going to use green items. So there's this kind of, I mean, I don't know how um, strong that is, but it, 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 it can be like, I think it's like pretty straightforward that like, if you were to like, say donate $5,000 to charity where you can kind of classify yourself as a good person and then do bad things. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that anecdotally holds up for sure. I see this like one of the things that I, um, that I notice about myself that I don't like mm. is sometimes I have a tendency to use my ability um, to like use big words or like to sound smart to kind of crush someone if I feel threatened in the moment intellectually, mm. right? Yeah, like yeah. someone will say something and I will, because I'm insecure, <laughs> I will perceive it as um, a threat. Like, like yeah. oh, this person's questioning my intelligence, right? And then I'll come down hard and you know, I'm not saying like, like I'm great at this. It just certainly depends on who I'm talking to and what it's about and who, how, how I'm feeling and all that. But, uh, you know, sometimes I, I do that where I come down hard and then I like feel like in the moment that I've like put them in their place or whatever. Yeah. That's a sh that's not intelligence though. That's not being smart. Yeah. That's not, I'm, I, now I have learned less because, uh, you know, it's certainly possible and probably likely that that person had something to offer on the subject that I don't know anything about, right? right, right. And then, like, I don't, I'm not truly valuing intelligence there. Right. I'm valuing um, this kind of pseudo-intelligence that's wrapped up in an identity. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, that is, that is a worrying thing. And I think with, like, especially, uh, with like cancel culture, it is this kind of like, it's this like flexing of the moral muscle, which yeah. is oh, weird, yeah. right? It's a great way to put it. And like, it's, it's the same thing that I think you have a red flag with, with uh, the effect of altruism. I think McCaskill puts it very straightforward in the sense that, you know, this is, he doesn't make it out to be anything more than it is, but I could definitely see how people could use that maliciously, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, I'm an effective altruist. And so, you know, this makes me better than you. And then they have this air about themselves that is counterproductive um, in everything, in every other facet of their life than what they're doing in the effective altruism movement. You know, it's like, um, it's like Walter from uh, The Big Lebowski, mm. where like, you, have you seen The Big Lebowski? I don't think I have. No. Oh, dude. We yeah, we've talked that. about this. Yeah. I, it's like one of my favorite movies. Um, <laughs> well, like, Walter is like one of those guys where, like, he fought in the war and, like, he's oh, always yeah. like, I fought in the war, right? Like, yeah. But that's one of those things where, like, he, 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 it never helps anything or his relationships with anyone to point that out like that. You yeah. Know? You know, that, that reminds me. Uh, I think this was. Again, a Joe Rogan podcast. You know, we should make a podcast just talking about Joe Rogan's um, podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, po podcast commentary. <laughs> yeah, just like J the Joe Rogan experience version two. It's like yeah. process Joe Rogan. We go stuff. through each episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Our episode would have to be like twice as long because, like, we'd have to keep pausing there. Yeah, and be like, "What do you think about that?" <laughs> we're like, we have someone that pulls up 
What Jamie pulls up? Well, like, can you fact check Jamie, dude? How funny would that be? A meta Jamie. Yeah, and then like we get bigger and we're like, fuck. Because like if if Joe Rogan goes up, then like we're fucked, right? That's hilarious. No, but like uh, there was one podcast where he had like uh, I think military guy on. I don't think it was Jocko. Uh, but someone gonna, else. That was my first question. Yeah, it wasn't Jocko. Was <laughs> There's but, only one military guy these days. <laughs> it it might have been, but I'm fairly certain it wasn't. But he he was the guy was saying like, oh, we need uh, to. There was like a conversation going on about uh, like veterans that were. Uh, privileged right because of there, there's a lot of veteran uh, programs for jobs right oh yeah and so this guy was saying like you know we we need to have those programs but you shouldn't be able to tell that they're veterans like they shouldn't like mm-hmm. he was like disgusted at the fact that like people would um hold this as like the veterans would hold themselves at a, at a esteem because they served right he was like no that that's the exact like opposite morale we should have mm. in fact it should be more of like service right that, that's what service like serving should have taught you mm-hmm. in the sense that um like you're you're not better than others yeah not the sense that you shouldn't take away the fact that since you have done this courageous act that you now you're put up on this pedestal yeah right and that that's a that's a very difficult topic because mm. i mean just imagine, I, I, I cannot imagine just the amount of like stress that people go through and uh, some of the, the consequences are like so lasting. And so it's hard uh, for me to think of uh, like instances where they shouldn't be put on a pedestal. But it's like this paradox in the sense that like uh, that person themselves has, like it's like the, it's this idea that I had where it's a it's a paradoxical take on um, on life. So, with other people, you should always think that the environment affects them and they have no self control. But with yourself, you should have the opposite take in the sense that you have all the control and your environment does not affect you. So, yeah. like if you see someone and you're like. Oh, you know, you give them a charitable case in the sense that you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe he's had a bad day. Maybe like this behavior is because they were not treated well at childhood. Whereas yeah. yourself, you, you cannot give yourself that excuse. But it's a paradox because it's inconsistent in how you view yourself and others. Dude, I've been thinking about this lately. Like, so I've been listening to, I've been kind of on like a self-helpy kick, which I've never been on before, but lately I've been like, I listened to Atomic Habits on uh, an audiobook, which is, it's like uh, right right today, it's top of the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, really? Like, people yeah. are really trying to improve their habits. So they're <laughs> Coronavirus are like going crazy. They're like, might as well self-improve. Uh, <laughs> but then lately I've been listening to Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah, yeah. which, oh my gosh, whenever I would hear, like I would hear people like recommend this book. It's a good and book. I just like yeah. rolled my eyes and be like, too many people recommending. No, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. And it's not like, what I love about it is it's kind of preachy, but it's barely preachy. Right, you know, like right. the, the audiobook is read by the author. He seems very genuine. He seems like just a really down to earth, like even his, he's a type of person that like instantly sounded familiar to me because I think he's 
I have, if I don't know, I'd have to bet that I would bet that he's Southern. He's very much like a Southern Christian person. Yeah. And those are the kind of people who, you know, uh, I grew up with, but many of them who I, I, I didn't like, but he seems like one of the, the good ones who's like kind of salt of the earth type yeah, person. Yeah. I, that's yeah. the vibe at least that I get. Uh, but he also talks about, well, I'm going into too much detail about this book. Anyways, um, all the habits, the first three at least, I'm, I haven't gotten a habit for yet, mm, yeah, <laughs> are the, the ha he calls them the habits of private victory. Right, right. And he says, um, yeah, you, you literally, his whole point is you have to see yourself as capable as ha of having a paradigm shift of how you see yourself. Yeah, yeah. And of being able to mold yourself in um, the he, image you want. He even goes over the like the stoic basket of control thing. Yeah, they are the circle of influence. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, he yeah, puts it in that. Yeah, the, yeah, that is so stoic. Yeah. and uh, it really got me thinking about how you totally have to be existentialist about yourself. Yeah. You have to be. Otherwise, you literally won't be able to build habits. Like it, it is a prerequisite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to habit formation. So like in the most practical sense whether or not you you can identify mm. as a uh, I, I was thinking about maybe a, a blog post title being like uh personal existentialist political marxist right where like <laughs> if you're a marxist you're uh not an, an existentialist right because right. you believe in um economic determinism right yeah. material determinism which is a there's a good argument for that right 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 um, but but you you have to totally kind of suspend disbelief in your own personal life about yeah. those kinds of things. Although you know, although I say that, I think you know I'm pretty progressive about certain things, right? Mm. But I do think that it is important mm. to hold people. It depends. I guess what I'm trying to say is. Um, I don't like it when people talk about themselves as determined, even if I think that other people are, yeah. even if it's like compassionate, oftentimes to have this view that like, oh, they're just impacted by their, it's only compassionate to a, to an extent, but yeah. um, if people it's say like complimenting like, yourself, it's like, well, like <laughs> what really gets me lately is, mm. you know, I'm, I've been studying what I'm asserting is a moral panic that occurred on the evergreen campus in 2016 right mm. a lot of that and, and if you watch the videos um a lot of it is students saying i have no um i have no choice yeah but to react in this what i would say i'm gonna i don't say this in my paper because it's evaluative but i would say wildly inappropriate and irresponsible dishonorable and mm. wrong reckless yeah. way yeah counterproductive it's, it literally has no redeeming quality. Right. But right. they're like, you have made me do this, college administration, right? Yeah. That's a kind of determinism where, although, okay, and they're not me, right? Yeah. But I'm looking at how they're talking about themselves. Right, right. Now I have a problem with them. It's like it's like a determinism on determinism or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not that, but it's like, what do you think about that? Yeah, that, that is actually interesting. Um, are they the, are they determined to say that they're determined and morally <laughs> exculpate themselves? I, I think it's a I think it's like a I don't know. Usually it seems like a paradox, in the sense that 
I mean, I mean, I, I know for a fact that I believe in uh, certain like deterministic um, outcomes, not, not like fully deterministic, but like statistically speaking, like mm. say for instance, oh, th this happened in the, in the podcast with Ben Shapiro. He was like, oh, well, you don't see people like good athletes with like with uh, children that are also good athletes, but you do. Well, LeBron is, and James' son, yeah. isn't he, like... Yeah, he's yeah. good, yeah. Deion Sanders' son was, played at my high school, right? Um, uh, and height he, is heritable. Yeah. <laughs> Athletics, athletic ability is in part heritable. <laughs> yeah, and, but, like, even more, like, the training mm. that you would get from, like... I mean, like, LeBron James' son, I mean, and, like, Kobe Bryant's daughters, right? Yeah. They grew up in, like, like with a great... Uh, like mentor like arguably the best yeah right and so like it's it's uh, absurd for people to be like well it's a clean slate yeah <laughs> their parents had no effect on <laughs> what they did like i don't know how you could do that and it, that that level of like individual control seems absurd to me but even saying that it, it does i don't know it, it's it's kind of, it might be like a rhetorical thing where when someone employs like, oh, well, you know, I grew up, um, like I grew up in a poor family. So that's why I couldn't do this. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, it, that scene, I think it maybe has to do with how they employ that. I don't know. It can, I can see how it could be like, um, like used as like a rhetorical tactic, you know, just like, oh, feel bad for me. Yeah. Like this is, I, I had no choice, even though like, I mean, that, that might not be the case. It's like, well, that's personified in, uh, I keep, wow, I've referenced this like a billion times now, but uh, who, um, remember the character who had the health condition who ended up being, spoilers, spoilers, uh, <laughs> the guy who killed Fyodor? Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was, he had some weird ass name that we couldn't figure out how to pronounce. Yeah. It started with an S. Oh man! Well, I'm. I can't even uh, even if I were now. to think of yeah. it, it would be wrong. I'm sure. <laughs> I'd have to ask Eliona to pronounce the pronounce the the Russian. But um, uh, yeah, his whole thing was that he um, he basically exploited his health condition uh, to gain um, moral sympathy right, right, right. and people. Yeah. 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 And. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned this maybe in even one of the like few podcasts that have been posted, but I'll never forget something that like um, Jordan Peterson did on a podcast one time mm -hmm. that really surprised me where he was doing some interview with this guy and he started talking about his daughter, Michaela, and how she had, um, mm, yeah, she's yeah. had like these horrible surgeries on her right. ankles, like she's had like... Um, such it's a it's like a severe form of rheumatoid arthritis or something like that yeah uh, degenerative illness and he broke down like full on in tears in the podcast yeah and apparently he cries a lot in uh, but this was like the first time that and but what he was sad about was not necessarily although this was part of it the fact that she the pain that she felt he was so he was saddened primarily by the thought that she would not hold herself responsible mm. because of 
the condition. Yeah. That yeah. struck me. I was like, whoa, like that, it, it hit me how big of a deal that was to him and how like that seemed kind of counterintuitive to me at the time and I'm still, but I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that concern Yeah. because you can rise above, you, it's one thing to have an illness and, and experience the effects of that. Yeah. It's another thing to be like mentally constrained right. by your illness because the latter uh, is actually far more constraining than the former. Right, right, um, of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just like the simple... I think it is, I mean, I think in a lot of cases, I think, I don't think they're non-compatible ideas. Right. I think it's just the fact that when we have this idea of like free will, and I think when people, like that, that is a very serious thing, and I think our... Um, apart from the deterministic nature of um, like people that are abstracted when it comes to ourselves and other people we know, I think the kind of like the no, the, the trajectory we take in like how we view ourselves and um, or like other people, how they view themselves, I think it does affect like the trajectory and where you land. Right. Totally. So like uh, maybe statistically speaking you're determined to be in one place or another right but say you, we did know somehow uh you're from a middle income uh level right chances are you're gonna land same place middle income right but maybe just like the attitude you take in like being positive or negative has an effect of you going maybe from like an $80,000 salary to like 85 or maybe mm -hmm. 75. I mean, of course that's very rigid, but I think like the level of ironically, which is so, so weird. I think this is actually a very big problem now that I think about it, especially people that think like when you're in academia, you think about these social systems and you do see that it is very deterministic statistically, not to say that, you know, middle income equals a middle income, Middle income probably means a middle income, right? Tends to, for sure. Tends to, right. And so uh, to take that and to like realize things in your own, you, I mean, I would have to imagine that has an impact on the way you think. Oh, you know, I was, I was literally just talking to my therapist about this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is that like, um, I see a kind of through line through a lot of experiences I've had where there's a kind of self-doubt and a kind of question, a self-skepticism and an inability to trust my intuitions mm. uh, that stems through to, to some experiences in childhood. But one aspect in particular is growing up to be kind of a skeptic in a fundamentalist uh, environment yeah. and then being told that my skepticism or my doubt is a result of my character flaws uh, or my like uh, oh you just want to be your own god that's the way of saying you're prideful yeah. or uh, you know it's uh, you're not grasping the argument right, uh, right. so there I'd be like am I not Oh, and that, okay, so that, that kind of generated a kind of self-skepticism and like an uncertain, like I was viewing myself as an object mm. uh, in this, it, it, reflexively is this is a term 
to, to denote that I was being self-reflexive. Um, and then, yeah, then going into uh, a, a kind of social science field certainly has not helped that. <laughs> you know, now I'm like extra questioning, like, you know, what is, is, is everything I think a product of like how I grew up yeah. and like, and I don't know, maybe so, but like, but like I go back to the thing of like, you got to live life. And if you want to, and I think increasingly the key to living a good life uh -huh. and being a good person is building good habits that are both. Well, uh, that's process oriented, right? Process oriented. Okay, so this is the thing, right? So if you think about like Jordan Peterson and like his kind of advice, it's very, it's very process oriented. Keep your house in order. But 12 books is a self-help book. 12 yeah. rules is a self-help book. Right? Yeah, for sure. So like, if you think about it, of course he would give you that advice but i don't think i don't think a, a good life that's funny because i'm reading transcend right now right from oh the baby yeah. kaufman yeah 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 and uh <laughs> it's so funny because uh i i, I think he, he talks about like he goes into maslow's hierarchy of needs and like really goes into the history of it and um kind of reforming it for our time a modern uh, hierarchy but the thing is is I don't think these like he, he talks about how you need your own hierarchy and you climb up this right but of course it's more he he talks about a metaphor of a boat right mm. same hierarchy of needs but then I mean I'm not fully through the book but he has consistently hinted throughout all the chapters I've read that at the end, of course, the self-actualization, it's, it's this kind of like weird uh, dichotomy, which is a false dichotomy of like, like this kind of like self-actualization and then like this like contribution to society. Oh, yeah. Because it's like super weird, right? Like this kind of like uh, the paradigm shift between like what makes you an individual and like what makes you part of a group. Yeah. Those are extremely hard to untangle and i think that's on purpose in the sense that i think a lot of these process oriented things we can control and those are things that we um d those are definitely things that make us good people right yeah you but know, yeah oh go ahead but i don't think that's it's not like a it's not an or statement it's, right i think it's completely compatible yeah. with the essence that you can like for instance be an effective altruist but it's built upon being a good person um viscerally like through the people that you do know the through the actions that you do do process wise but like when you think about like like going back to like this deterministic kind of idea i think we're trying to impact processes that are not on the individual level these are on mm. institutional levels. Yeah. But those, I mean, you can think, you, I, I fully believe that you can think, I want to be a good person, uh, obviously on an individual level that affects good things. But then I also want to have an impact on institutions so that I can have a say that they also have good impacts. You have to integrate <clears throat> because... Whether you're an individual or a part of a group is a matter of framing. Like, yeah. uh, your individuality 
uh, there's a my favorite um, sociologist is named George Zimmel, mm. and he wrote this great short. Um, I guess it's a an essay called the web of affiliations mm. and he basically to drastically oversimplify his argument um basically suggests that our individuality derives from uh all of the the unique set of collectives to which we belong yeah, yeah. right like uh i don't walk you, you, we walk in some of the same circles. We, we met obviously because we, we were both part of the philosophy club. Yeah. And, but you have a whole. If you were to like map out all of the social circles that you belong to, mm-hmm. they would be uniquely yours, probably shared by no one right. actually. Um, uh, there might be someone who shares a high percentage of the same, but not of all course. of them. Um, but at the same time you who you are within each group mm-hmm. is a product of that individuality right? right those are just two different ways of putting the same thing yeah um and so yeah there was this line it's kind of cheesy but i heard it <laughs> on in my the audiobook today of that of that habits book which is um something like um uh, we want we want to be integrated people but to be integrated, to be able to live out different values simultaneously mm. um, with the recognition that sometimes values can conflict uh, when um, uh, when lived out. You know, it's hard to be honest and compassionate at the same time sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you can't be. Um, but... Uh, to be integrated is to to have a kind of higher order sense of of yeah. which principle to live out when, um, and in order to do that, you have to have integrity, um, and yeah. integrity is really related to that integrated word. But what I liked about it is integrated and integrity are kind of they kind of correspond to the different ways of emphasizing. Uh, whether your individuality is derived from the collectivity or vice versa, in the sense that um, your individuality could be you as an integrated person collapsing all of the different spheres right. to which you belong. Uh, and integrity is a very personal aspect, but uh, the collectivity, uh, you will belong to more groups, you will be more highly valued and you will contribute more the more integrity you have with yourself. So again, it's kind of like these yeah. paradoxes. There, it's the, it's kind of it feels like there's a difference, and there might be, but it also could just be this two different ways of talking about the same thing. But you know what though, emphasizing yeah. their differences feels like it matters for behavior. In which case, I, given my pragmatist bent, think that that there is a difference. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. no. I, yeah, I, w- I would suspect there is a difference, for sure. Like if there's two ways of talking about the same thing, but which way you choose it changes the future, then uh, oh, the, yeah, the, at least the ways of talking are different, whether or not the thing. Right, right, right. yeah. I don't know, I'm losing track of that, but <laughs> no, you get what I'm saying. I, I, I do think, I know what you th- you're saying. I, I do think, yeah, I think that goes back to how like we perceive ourselves and how, I think how you would flesh out i mean yeah that, i don't see it seems to be a paradox at first right because mm-hmm. it's like how could that be but i think there is something 
I don't know. I think there's like a missing component uh, that would make it very straightforward. Like it would make sense. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm, <laughs> I always think that if there's something that uh, if there's like two things that seem to like, you're like, Oh yeah, those both make sense. And I believe both of those things, but they don't align. I mean, there, there's a chance that you're wrong, but I think moreover, I think there's probably a chance uh, that you're just missing like some dimension. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the, the dimension that distinguishes them. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah, obviously, but like, it would, yeah, <laughs> it seems obvious when I say that it's like, yeah, well, good, good job. <laughs> no, but it, that's true though. Yeah. Well, Hey man, I think we are at, yeah. oh my gosh, it's over two hours. That flew by. I was like, I thought, yeah, I mean, this is this my is, forte. I could go talking. On. We both could. That's why we could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if anyone will listen. 